You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati, marhaban bikum. Fi al-hawar al-siniy al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Welcome back to the program. You are listening to China Africa Talk. I'm your host, Bridget Mutambirwa, coming to you from the Chinese capital in Beijing with yet another informative episode on what's happening with China and Africa from a Chinese and African perspective. China's State Councillor and Foreign Minister Wang Yi visited Africa from January 13 to 18, in line with Beijing's 34 years diplomatic tradition of paying New Year visits to Africa. The foreign minister visited Egypt, Tunisia, Togo, and Cote d'Ivoire. So, what key areas of priority for China-Africa relations were discussed during the tour, and how will Wang Yi's visit to Africa shape future relations with China? Professor Zhang Yongpeng, senior research fellow with the Institute of West Asian and African Studies, the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, and Dr. Karim Benkala, professor of governance at Tunis High School of Commerce. Join me in today's discussion on the significance of Wang Yi's visit to Africa, gentlemen. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Professor. We'll begin with Professor Zhang Yongpeng. Professor Zhang Yongpeng, in keeping with tradition, China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi kicked off his annual first overseas visit to Africa, traveling to Egypt, Tunisia, Togo, and Cote d'Ivoire this year. What was the significance of the foreign minister Wang Yi's annual first visit to Africa this year? We know that this year is a very, very important and particular year for China-Africa relationship because the ministerial meeting of the FOCAC will be held in Beijing、uh, because the last、uh, last one was held in Africa. So in this year. Quite some important agendas should be set between China and Africa, and this year Wang Yi's visit to Africa will fully discuss with the African counterparts the issues or projects or some of the plans for the bilateral cooperation, and what kind of events should be implemented between the two sides. For the coming FOCAC meeting in Beijing, this is one of the very important tasks to do. Secondly, this visit also shows a very important symbol that these、uh, China and Africa have always been a community with a shared future, which is not a empty slogan, but some、uh, conclusion and drawn from the similar or common historical experiences between the two sides. And also, it is just like the foreign ministry's spokesperson had reiterated that, aligned with the African science on the new session of the forum, except that this this is a continuity of the traditional friendship between China and Africa. And one of the important tasks is also to consolidate the momentum of China-Africa solidarity and cooperation. And.、Uh, One of the important thing is that this also symbolizes the at the very beginning of the new year is the reiteration of the spirit of the friendly cooperation. Especially last year, the BRICS summit has been held in Africa, 
with it also covers the North African countries and the, the sub-Saharan countries, and which indicates that China has attached not only for the Northern African countries, but also the uh, sub-Saharan African countries. Still on you, Professor Zhang Yongpeng, China's foreign minister Wang Yi's first stop this year was Egypt. What was the significance of having Egypt first on his itinerary? And were there any outcomes of this stop for the northwestern African region? China-Egypt relations are a comprehensive uh, strategic cooperative relationship, and particularly both China and Egypt are developing countries, and especially Egypt has not only had the membership within the FOCAC, a forum on China-Africa cooperation, and as well as one of the important powers, nation of the African continent, but also one of the member of the Arabian world, a member of the League of the Arabian States. And so no doubt Egypt is a quite an important leading country in both Africa and the Middle East areas. And furthermore, China and Egypt has many, many uh, cooperative projects in the economic areas, and uh, they have built uh, lots of the industrial parks and uh, more than 2,000 Chinese enterprises are uh, conducting their operation in Egypt. And furthermore, Egypt can play a very important role in solving some regional problems for example, between Israeli and the Palestinian, uh, and of course, in the security sector, China has attached importance to the rule of the, the country of Egypt. Professor Ben Kala, Tunisia was the second stop of Wang Yi's visit to Africa this year. What is your reaction to his visit to Tunisia? Mm. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, from from a Tunisian point of view, the importance of this visit for Tunisians is is very significant and uh, has raised great expectations in Tunisia, highlighting the special interest that China is shown in the country. You know that although uh, Tunisia may be considered as a small country with a population equivalent to that of, uh, let's say, a medium-sized town in China, but I think that its uh, geostrategic relevance far exceeds its scale and the number of its population. I think also that uh, it is important to note that the visit of the head of the Chinese diplomacy follows a recent visit less than a month ago by the foreign minister of two major nations, Russia and Indonesia. And this uh, visit marks the Chinese foreign minister first outing abroad, continuing a 34-year uh, tradition of Chinese foreign ministers beginning their inaugural trip of the year in Africa. So for us, it's it's very important, very significant that we choose Tunisia as for the, this first trip of the year. But I think also that beyond the, the widely publicized you know, inauguration of the Tunisian Diplomatic Academy, we must understand that the visit requires a broader uh, perspective, uh, integrating the national and international context. Uh, as you know, at, at the international level, uh, China is seeking to play a greater role in negotiating peace between Israel and Palestinians. And I think by visiting Egypt and Tunisia, I think it sends a clear message about the potential Tunisia has to play a role in that direction. And also, after the COVID crisis and this conflict, I think there is a kind of 
moral, economic, and also political crisis in several Western countries, which now see their neighbors, in particular Tunisia, only as a threat of uh, immigration. And there is also the risk of conflagration and widening of the war in the Middle East. So all in all, this encourages Arabic and African countries to seek more equitable and less unbalanced intermediation than the Western position. For Tunisia, having been the source of the so-called Yasmin Revolution and having influenced events in the Arab and world and Africa, Tunisia is experiencing a somewhat difficult economic situation nowadays with its traditional partners, this kind of coldness linked to the question of uh, Palestine, of democracy, and also f- of immigrants. Last year, for example, Tunisia clashed with the European Union over a financial and aid program aimed at stopping immigration to Europe. And for the first time since joining the International Monetary Fund, Tunisia has recently added to the institution's negative list, published on the 5th of January 2024. So finally, as part of the 2024 budget for Tunisia, there is an envelope of around 5.3 billion US dollars that is expected to be obtained through external borrowing. And for many observers, that's at the heart of these talks. So it's the possibility of a greater collaboration between the BRICS and Tunisia, the BRICS which have established their own independent financial system. So finally, I believe that Tunisia also expects that China to play an an even more active role in resolving the Palestinian problem. So there is mutual interest in this visit. And from my point of view, uh, we can discuss further on the results of this uh, mission. Professor Ben Kala, what are the benefits of the visit on the ground for Tunisia and vice versa? What issues came out? Yeah. You know, there was, of course, the inauguration of the Diplomatic Academy, which was intended at least initially to be a diplomatic academy for Africans, for all Africans. This is very important. And the Tunisian Minister of Foreign Affairs recalled that Tunisia will use the academy as a bridge to strengthen mutual understanding and exchanges between Tunisia and China, as well as the rest of the world. And I think that he, he was thinking about Africa. And if we stick to the official declaration, there were uh, maybe two clear messages. President Qais Saeed and Minister Wang both said they they oppose unipolar hegemony and interference in others' internal affairs. And China stated that it is willing to strengthen coordination with Tunisia and promote an equal and orderly global multipolarity and economic globalization that benefits all. The second message, official message, let's say, is uh, is about uh, Palestine and uh, the two sides exchanged views on the Palestine-Israel conflict and expressed joint support for the Palestine people in pursuing the just cause uh, of restoring their lawful national rights. So this is uh, the two official messages, one on the sovereignty and development of Tunisia and the other one is about uh, the Palestinian uh, situation. Professor Zhang Yongpeng, can you talk us through the significance of the inclusion of Togo and Cote d'Ivoire during this particular tour and how Foreign Minister Wang Yi's visit could shape future relations between China and Africa? 
as we have uh, reiterated many for many times that China attaches very importance to its relations with all African countries and equally treats the African country. And the four countries on this visit have uh, huge differences in the size of their economies, the level of uh, development, and uh, also considering the context of the new forum on China-African cooperation, the focus this year also shows that China wants to understand the needs to listen or hear from different African countries to know what they need and how to set the agendas, the projects or plans in the coming FOCAC meeting, hoping to use this to formulate more effective cooperation plans. And of course, there are some uh, follow-up measures will be implemented in the next uh, three years. And also, as I had talked about uh, just now, uh, previously, that uh, all these four African countries cover different areas, the North Africa and the Sub-Saharan African countries. And so there's also concerns some uh, security issues, uh, development issues, and some other uh, economic or political issues. And think through uh, this with it, and not only the politically dialogue or uh, cooperation uh, between the China and African countries uh, will be strengthened in the, in the coming year, in the future, and but also uh, through the FOCAC or Bell Road Initiative in the next uh, three years or beyond. When facing some uh, fierce competition between the, the global powers, especially when the U.S. are imposing some pressure on China, whether economically or politically. And I also think that the African countries also needs to consider something of this. Professor Benkala, China's interest in Africa has not gone unnoticed on the world stage. Are the close ties between China and Africa making the other world leaders a little nervous? And if so, why? Africa's traditional partners are, are afraid of, of losing their advantages on, the, on this continent. As you know, Africa will be the emerging continent of the 2021 20, century in terms of demographics. It's where productivity gains will be made and it's where purchasing power should evolve. So it's very, very important for this old Occident and for this old Europe to avoid losing their advantages in this continent. Furthermore, Africa has many natural resources that are necessary for the technological transitions. And this is very important also. And finally, um, there is the ecological issue, uh, I think, which must be considered in conjunction with the migration issue. And Africa is the continent where uh, there will be the most pressure uh, on these uh, two aspects. And uh, I think that while some countries sincerely believe, and this is more important from my point of view, uh, some countries sincerely believe that we can build a win-win economic and social relations. And, uh, and genuine cooperation, while other um, other countries think that economic relations are a win-lose uh, and uh, and put cooperation at the service of competition. So they find it hard to work with others for the benefit of everyone. They only want 
to think of this aid in terms of uh, charity. So when it comes to Africa, we, we think it's an issue of uh, charity uh, or of a competition and uh, a win-lose relation. And this is a paradigm shift, I think, that is very, very important for the new century, for this century, if we want to respond to global issues. And that's why I think that we need a new kind of global leadership. Maybe we will discuss it mm. further. Mm. Still on you, Professor Ben Kalab, over the past 60 years of development of Tunisia-China relations, what fruitful results have been made? You know, relations between Tunisia and China date back to to the time of Carthage. So it's uh, more than 2,000 years ago. Now we're speaking about uh, the Belt and Road Initiative. But you can find very old maps showing the Silk Road passing through Tunis uh, and Tunisia. And and you know the, the founding father of sociology, the Tunisian scholar Ibn Khaldun, praised China and the Chinese in his Muqaddimah book, in 1377. So it's a very ancient relationship and cooperation. In, in modern times, diplomatic relations between China and Tunisia, as you know, were established 60 years ago, but more or less stagnated until 2018 and the accession of Tunisia to Belt and Road Initiative. Now China is the fourth largest trading partner of Tunisia, and the trade has, is continuing to grow between uh, Tunisia and China. And Tunisians are very grateful to China, which was, uh, has already carried out projects of great symbolic and strategic value in Tunisia. I think about, for example, the Majerda Canal, which is the most important canal in Tunisia built by Chinese. I think also more recently of the Sfax University Hospital, which was built in a very short period during the COVID crisis in the Benarus Cultural and Youth Complex uh, inaugurated. You know, the, a Chinese company has won a major project to build the Bizert Bridge, uh, one of the most um, important bridges in Tunisia. Um, and for now, um, Tunisia is proposing that China uh, contributes to new projects. Infrastructure projects, they include the renovation of uh, sports infrastructure, notably El Manza Sport Complex, the Tunis Carthage International Airport expansion project, which is the main airport in the capital, the high-speed train project, which is a project very dear to the president, Qais Saeed, the project to introduce electric buses, the health sector project with the project of a medical complex in Kerouan, which is also a project very dear to the president, Qais Saeed. So these structural projects hold great promise for Tunisia, but all in all, I think that, uh, and generally speaking, I think that Tunisian and Chinese cooperation has certainly enabled Tunisia to resolve short-term and medium-term uh, development issues. And we lack this uh, global vision of the, the cooperation between Tunisia and China, the cooperation between Tunisia and traditional partners uh, like European, the complementarities, the, the win-win approach to have this, uh, this mutual um, And Professor Zhang Yongpeng, I'd like to know from you, what are your closing remarks on the China-Africa outlook for the year ahead? I think why is with this time will serve as the important indicators and guidelines for China-Africa relations. And this year's uh, FOCAP meeting will will intensify the preparations uh, regarding the issues to be discussed at the conference areas of cooperation projects and the overall direction. And secondly, 
The FOCAC agenda will be closely aligned with the needs of African countries. In China, as well as uh, changes, some uh, changes that happened in the international environment will be quite an important target for the FOCAC agenda to be discussed between China and Africa. And Professor Benkala, moving forward, how is this visit likely to strengthen bilateral relations and deepen cooperation with Tunisia, especially through the Belt and Road Initiative? Thank you very much. You know, um, I published a recent article and I made four, four main proposals for this cooperation. The first one is, I think, that the emergence of a new form of global leadership. I think that the Chinese leadership must absolutely be different from Western leadership, which was based solely on interests. I think that the new century requires leadership based on mutual responsibilities. And this is what is explicitly stated in the principle of uh, Belt and Road Initiative. And this is very important as the framework to reflect on the cooperation between China and, let's say, a little country or a small country like Tunisia. This new kind of global leadership based on responsibilities and not only on interests. Another another proposition is the need for a new approach of, of governance. We should think together about the basis of a new global governance, but also about the new uh, new conception of governance. You know, in Africa, I think that it's obvious that a certain conception of democracy imposed by the West does not work in Africa, and that, and that we all need to think about this situation together. And I think that Tunisian experience is rich and can be useful at this level. This is two proposals at the global level and at the vision how we think about cooperation between China and a small country like Tunisia without uh, oil, without uh, gas, etc. And I think also that uh, we need a better position of Tunisia, a new vision for Tunisia, for positioning itself. Tunisia haven't been, as, as we say here in Tunisia, the, the crossroad of civilizations. Tunisia finds itself quite naturally and historically at the crossroad of several roads. It's multiple affiliation to Africa, to Arab world, to Mediterranean Sea, and its current connections constitute an undeniable advantage, I think. And also, Tunisia has one of the best human capital indices in Africa and the Arab world. This asset is very fundamental to facing the challenges of the 21th century and also for more qualitative growth like the one that China is seeking nowadays. I think that in the short term and strict economic level, the position of Tunisia Possibilities of relocation of Chinese companies after COVID and with the importance taken by ecological constraints linked to, to carbon footprint and the economic constraint of reactivity and flexibility setting up in Tunisia has become more interesting for Chinese companies. This makes it possible to target quickly and at a lower cost the most important market in the world, which is the European market. And this is, for example, the case for textile in small uh, series, which could be manufactured and shipped quickly uh, from Tunisia to Europe. And finally, when I think about the cooperation between a small country like Tunisia and China and the Belt and Road Initiative, I think that we need another vision of cooperation. If we think of, of the world in terms of networks, not just roads, and if we understand that Africa's challenge is above all knowledge, science, and education, its youth, 
Then Tunisia, from a point of view, which has the Human Development Index, as I said, and the one of the most important university and educational systems in Africa and the Arab world, can play a central role in the intellectual, scientific, and educational uh, new skill road. I think that Tunisia could become the educational and university platform to help train a large part of the African youth with the help of China. We need a, a strategic framework, a vision of cooperation before talking about concrete projects. When it comes to building bridges or something like that, it's important. But from the point of view of Tunisia, we need to have a clear vision of what is expected and what is the future of this kind of cooperation and how to build cooperation with new partnership without forgetting the traditional partnership. Many thanks again to you, Professor Zhang Yongpeng and Dr. Karim Benkala for your insights into this discussion on the significance of Minister Wang Yi's visit to Africa. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.